right here, scattered around the U.S., but then we also serve a bunch of churches all over the world. So actually this Thursday, I get to go to Chile in South America, and um, we'll be with about 400 Chilean leaders talking about the same stuff. So I wanted you to be encouraged with that this morning, that sometimes when we're in our local context, it kind of feels small and, you know, I don't know, we can just get maybe a little discouraged by that, but, but realizing that God is doing amazing stuff all over the planet with his people, with his church, and so I wish I had time, maybe I will some Sunday, just tell you lots of these stories of what God is doing in so many places around the world, but the fact that there's 400 Chilean leaders that want to talk about these things and want to grow and figure out how to lead their people in these ways uh, is super exciting. So if you think to pray, I'd appreciate that. Um, I'll be leaving on Thursday and we'll be in Chile for about a, for about a week. Okay. But um, today, if you can go to that first, first slide, as, as Kenny said, we're basically kind of tying up this series on missional rhythms. Okay. If you weren't here for some of those or all of those, that's what has been talked about. Okay. The previous five weeks. Um, but um, this one's going to be a little bit different because um, this really affects, I think, all our relationships all the time, okay? With Christians, with non-Christians, wherever we go all day at work, at play, wherever we go, whether we're eating or celebrating or resting or um, whatever we're doing, this story-formed rhythm um, basically is woven, into, is woven into all of those things. Okay, so hopefully today's going to be helpful no matter where you're at um, with all of this. Maybe you're being introduced to some of these for the first time or, um, uh, or yeah, you're a little further down the road in, in thinking in these ways. But um, it's crucial that we understand this, um, this rhythm and what it means to be story-formed. But it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of an odd word, story-formed. It's like you probably haven't heard that used <laughs> too many times uh, in too many of your conversations, but hopefully, hopefully it's going to make sense by the end of the day today. Okay. Um, so for us to for us to eat and celebrate and play and go to work and live in our neighborhoods and raise our kids and go for walks and walk our dogs, for us to do all those things in the way God intended and towards the way He desires. We need, to, we need to understand what it means to, to be story-formed people, okay? And so um, a little background on this whole idea of story and being story-formed is that God created humans. He created all of us, our, our friends, our neighbors, co-workers, to, um, to be uh, influenced and educated and inspired and encouraged by story, Right? Um, and we see this, we basically see this throughout history, where story, communication in the form of story is how, for thousands of years, how, um, how people have learned, how cultures have been created, um, how values have been passed on, whether that was from, from parents to kids or within a little larger extended family or in a neighborhood or in a city, um, but commu communication through story is how, um, yeah, 
is how it's worked really, really from the beginning until today. And so, but as you think about history, it's obviously taking on, it's obviously taken on some different forms, right? Um, for much of history, it was oral. It was purely oral. There was no writing. There was no, there was no books, or for the most part, there wasn't much on paper. <laughs> um, and so then printing came and books came, and so stuff started to be communicated a little differently then, but it was still mostly stories, right? You think of most books that have been written throughout history or most things that have been put on paper, right? They're, they're telling stories, telling stories about different things, the whys behind them. And then we get to today and all of our electronic communication. But again, what is, what is most of it? Story. Stories, right? You think of art, you think of music you listen to on the radio or uh, anything you listen to, you think of the movies you watch, the things you read, what is the, what's at the center of most of it? Story. Story, okay. And so you can see, even in our being, who we are as humans, that story is central. Stories, stories at the core. And so that, that's how God intended it. He wanted us to be people formed by stories. And in our relationships then, to have story at the center of our relationships. And so that's really what we want to focus on today is, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean for us in our daily lives? Okay? As we go about our day with our kids, with our spouse, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with where we work out, with how we spend our time, what are the daily implications of this, uh, um, of this reality of being, being story-formed people? So I want us to kind of, uh, I want us to think about this today in four, probably four primary ways, okay? The first is, is God's story, okay? And being clear together on what it means when we say God's story and what is God's story. But then I also want to talk about how that, how that affects our stories, all of us sitting here personally, um, the stories of other um, Christians that we're in relationship with, whether that's through our church or through a gospel community on mission or a DNA group or just in your neighborhood or a coworker, but our relationships with other Christians and then with those that do not yet know Jesus. Okay? So kind of those four primary, primary ways of thinking about this. What is God's story? What are the implications um, for our stories personally? What's that look like then for those who are in a relationship that are fellow followers of Jesus? And then what does that mean for those that we're in relationship yet with that don't yet know Jesus? Okay? So that's where we're going with this. So if we can get the next slide up there. Um, if you want to distill it, if you want to boil down kind of the storyline of the Bible, the storyline really of history, um, I think it can be summarized or distilled in this fashion. Okay? So if anybody, you may have a coworker saying, what, what's the Bible really all about? Or what, you know, tell me more about God and who he is and what he does and, you know, Help me, help me understand these things. A simple and clear and accurate way to, to describe it to people is to, is to describe this, um, this storyline. Basically, that in the beginning and from the beginning, there was, there was this creation reality, okay? God, 
God created people. God created everything we see, everything we get to enjoy. Um, um, and so there's this creation reality. But then um, the sin, sin and brokenness that came into the world touched on all of that creation, okay? Influenced all of that creation. And we experience that every day. The brokenness in our own lives, the brokenness in our families, conflict in relationships, whether that's with a boss or a neighbor, that's all the result of the fall. That's all the result of, of sin, okay? And then, though, as we move to redemption, God, um, again, from the beginning of the story, provided ways, provided opportunities for that to be redeemed, for that brokenness to be healed, Okay, and ultimately, that came through who? Through Jesus, okay, where he was the ultimate redemption. But you can see this storyline. You think of any person you know, any person you grew up with, any person living around you, and everybody's looking in one way or another to get the answers to move from fall to redemption, right? Some are seeking that through Jesus. Some are seeking that through their job. Some are seeking that through other forms of religion. Some of them are seeking it just through relationship. But everyone is seeking for answers. And every day you can see that this is also a daily reality. This isn't just big theoretical stuff. This is a daily reality in our lives. Where there's broken parts, there's questions, there's things we're struggling with, where we don't know what to do, and we're looking, we're basically looking for solutions. We're looking for healing, we're looking for answers, okay? And so that is the redemption piece, which then leads towards the bigger hope that we have of restoration, where things return to how they were meant to be. And that's the restoration piece, that, that redemption comes to bring healing in the moment, but it's leading towards this bigger, um, more all-encompassing restoration where things are returned to where they were meant to be, okay? So you can see how that's not only the storyline of the Bible that we read, but it's also the storyline of each person's individual lives, which again reinforces the idea that we're all, we're all part of this story. <laughs> We've been created as people formed by God's story. Whether we believe it or not, we're still in that story because he's the creator <laughs> who created the story. So we're in the middle of his story and whether we believe it or not or how we respond to it, um, this is what he's constantly calling us back to. We're clear on that because this is, his, this is his story. So he's always calling us, calling everyone around us back to this, but um, the uh, people have a choice. People have a choice whether they will um, enter into this story in his way or on their own terms. Whether they will seek redemption through Jesus or in their own way, on their own terms. And whether that will lead to restoration in God's way or in their, own, in their own way. Does that make sense? So let's take, a look at, let's take a look at this a little bit deeper. I don't want to just speak for God and speak for Jesus <laughs> without being real clear on how they, um, how they engage this whole story reality. As you think about, um, um, even if you don't 
haven't read much of the Old Testament or aren't real versed in it, um, you've heard some of the big stories. There's been movies, you know, Russell Crowe and Noah and, you know, you know, you know some of the big Bible characters just from the movies, right? So who, who are some of those? Think of the stars. Think of the stars of the Old Testament. Moses, Abraham, Noah, I already said, Jacob, Adam. That's a pretty good one. Okay. Started there, Adam and Eve. Okay. Well, when you think of these people, God, we see God pursuing each of them and pursuing each of them in a different way. Okay. But when you think of how, what would you say? How did he pursue them? When you think of his relationship with all these people throughout throughout the Old Testament, what what yeah, what are some things that were consistent? He walked with Adam. Okay? Walked with Adam and says, in the cool of the day. Okay, Adam and Eve, every day in the cool of the day. What's that describe? Relationship. Relationship. Okay? Yep. Spoke to them. Okay. So he was interested in them. Okay? He, he communicated. He had relationships. So showed that there was genuine love and interest and concern for them, right? And we see that through the Old Testament, actually, even with Israel as a nation. He's constantly pursuing. <laughs> he's constantly seeking deeper relationship and calling them back to this. Okay? That's pretty much the story of the Old Testament. Again, calling Israel back to the story. Okay? come back, come back to me, to life with me, dependence on me, come back. Okay. So we see God, sorry, doing that uh, throughout the relationships um, in the Old Testament. And then again, um, so we see how he pursued, but um, I just described also why he pursued why he pursued his, his, his creation and then Israel specifically, his, his people and his children, because he was constantly looking to discern areas where they were getting off, getting off track, where there was brokenness, where there was idolatry, where there was unbelief, where there was a t- dependence on themselves. Okay? So in this relationship and in his communication with these people, he's all the time trying to discern, okay, what's, what's broken here? What's, what, are they, what, are, what are they not remembering? What, um, um, what idols are they looking to rather than me? How are they seeking to live their lives according to their own purposes and not mine? So he's always trying to discern that and then call them back to, to the truth, the truth of himself. Okay? Dependence on him and life lived for his glory, for his purposes in right relationship with him. So that's always been the goal of this. Has been, is, today, will be always the goal that God is desiring for every single person, every single person around you, every single person you're in relationship with, he's desiring restored relationship. Okay, he's desiring restored dependence on him as the provider. We see it again throughout, throughout the story. He just kept saying, stay close to me, depend on me. I will provide, I will protect. This is, this is how it was meant to be. This is how I created you. 
to be fully dependent on me. Let me lead you. Let me protect you. Let me provide for you. So he's calling them back to that, to that restored dependence and then to his restored purpose where he wants to, to, to basically spread and multiply good Okay. Another uh, one way it was described in the Bible is, is shalom, where his, his desire was complete health and complete peace and complete restoration of people and things and his creation, because that's what was broken in the fall. So his desire has been, continues to be. Um, to, to bring us back, to bring people back to how he intended. Um, and that we have this purpose that is that purpose, not something smaller and less significant, okay? Which are, are some of the things we often get distracted by, whether that's our families, our families, our work, our upward mobility, our, our hobbies, whatever it is, those are the things that, that often distract us from his um, his purpose for our lives. Okay. Then as we move to the, um, to the New Testament, um, not surprisingly, we see more of this theme, <laughs> more of this pattern with Jesus. Okay. Which is really cool. Um, as I was um, studying, studying this this week and looking, looking throughout the Gospels and looking at Jesus' life and all the different people. He, he, he spent time with a lot of different people. <laughs> a, a large number of people, but also very different types of people, very religious people or very sick people or, you know, outcasts from their community, but very diverse group of people that Jesus that Jesus spent time with while he was on earth. And, um, but again, the theme and the goal that we see with all of it um, stays, stays consistent, okay? That as he spends time with people, he's looking to discern um, basically where, where is the brokenness in their lives? Where, where are they missing something? What are they not remembering, not believing? Um, you know, where's the, where's the self-dependence, again, rather than the God-dependence? Where's the idolatry, looking to something other than God for provision, for satisfaction, for joy, for hope, looking to other places, other idols, rather than to God? And so we see Jesus doing this. And I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to read a couple of these examples. Um, and again, there's many, many. Throughout, throughout the Gospels. Here's one, though, that comes from John 3, where this is, is Nicodemus, okay? So he's a very religious man, very religious person. But again, there's, there's things Nicodemus is not understanding. <laughs> there's, there's things Nicodemus is not understanding about this, about the, this, um, this idea of relationship with God, dependence on God, redemption only through God. And so listen to this interaction with Nicodemus and how Jesus responds to him. So it says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So it's interesting. It's got a pretty good some sense, you know, of what's going on here and who Jesus is, okay? 
And so Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus had a little more, you know, Jesus was able to quickly with people discern what they were thinking and what the, kind of their background story was. And we know that because of how he responds immediately to, to Nicodemus here. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So obviously Nicodemus had a big blind spot here. He thought there was another way to be, to be born away, to be born again, or another way to God. Does that make sense? So Jesus discerns that and speaks that, but um, Nicodemus still doesn't get it. <laughs> so he says, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother, mother's womb and be born again? So Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and born of the spirit. Humans can, only re humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So you see how he discerned what Nicodemus was missing was this whole idea that Nicodemus, all your good works, your, your life as a Pharisee, you know, spending your life committed to a bunch of words rather than relationship with the creator. Okay? And so we see Jesus beautifully, graciously, I would say, calling, um, um, calling Nicodemus back to the story that the story is dependence upon God, relationship with God, that you can only be, this can only happen through, through the work of the Spirit, through life with the Spirit. And so, so we see that with Nicodemus. Um, another one, next chapter, Jesus does this with a Samaritan woman, okay? And there's a lot of backstory to that that we don't have time for, but um, Jews did not relate with Samaritans. So the, so the fact that Jesus is even having this conversation is a big, big, big deal, okay? So, but listen to a few different things he says to her and how he engages with her. So um, it says, Jesus, Jesus had to go through Samaria on his way from Judea to Galilee. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village, to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, as I mentioned. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So interesting. Again, he's, he, he knows her. He knows what she's thinking. He knows her backstory. And he now is speaking this, speaking this truth into, his, in, into her, her life to call her back to this. But sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So you see, she also has a clear lack of understanding, right? Again, because of her because of her story and how she had grown up to this point. She doesn't have this, she doesn't have this understanding 
of of the storyline here. So Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Okay? Again, that's the redemption piece. Okay? He's very clearly stating to her at this point, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one you need. I'm the water. I'm that kind of water that you're thirsting for. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Okay? So beautiful picture of how he discerns her story, listens to her questions, and then speaks this reality into her life to call her to redemption through him, to him as the living water, towards the, the bigger picture of eternal life that he mentioned at the end there, and that, that restoration again into dependence, dependence upon God, restored relationship, restored, restored purpose. Okay, so there's lot, lots of other examples um, I could give you, like I said, of how we see Jesus doing, um, doing this. So we see God doing it throughout the Old Testament. We see Jesus doing it throughout the Gospels. And so what about us? Okay, what about us normal folks? Um, what's this mean for us daily as we go to work, go to school, live in our neighborhoods, hang out with friends, um, people we meet. What, what are the implications of this? Well, as I mentioned, one, one of the things I wanted to comment on, even though we've been talking about what this looks like to be on mission and missional to those that don't yet know Jesus, there's actually a really powerful aspect, even as we think about our relationships with each other as followers of Jesus. Okay, and that's why I said at the beginning that this idea of story and us being story formed is really all encompassing in all of our relationships. Okay, but what it means for us as um, as believers with each other, whatever, however we're in relationship with other believers, is that we are we're consistently pursuing each other's stories in in genuine ways that we have a genuine desire to to know each other. And so it requires some things from us, but again, it's, it's something that's woven into us that God desires for us as his, as his kids. And that uh, with, uh, with other believers that we would be, we would regularly be asking each other lots of questions and deeper questions, personal questions. So that we become good question askers basically. Okay, and because as we do that, that's how we really get to know somebody's story by asking questions and then being good listeners, not hurrying on to the next question or not hurrying on to say what we think or not, you know, but basically being very, very good listeners of people that we're in relationship with. So asking good questions, genuine questions. Um, being good listeners, being vulnerable and open then with our story. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for us often to share vulnerably, personally about our stories because we've got some sad parts of our life and some broken parts of our life that, that aren't easy to talk about. They're not easy to share, but it's necessary. It's necessary for us to be good family together. It's necessary for us to help each other to learn from each other, to grow together, okay? 
Um, and, that, and, and that we also, as we're asking these questions and as we're listening, um, as we're sharing from our own stories, that we, we really lean into the Holy Spirit and can consistently depend on him to help us with this. Some of this may sound like um, kind of scary for you, if you're an introvert or... Um, yeah, you're just not used to talking about yourself, talking about your story. You're not used to asking questions. We don't have to do this on our own strength. Not only do we not have to, we can't. <laughs> we can try, but we can't do it well. Yeah. The one who can do it well is the Spirit. The, the Bible tells us that the Spirit knows us and knows our stories better than we do. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it says He knows us, our stories, our hearts, what's, um, what, what we're about better than we do. And so he knows us that way. Well, he also knows our coworkers that way. And he knows our neighbors that way. And people we work out with that way. And parents at our kids' school that way. He knows them better than we ever will. He knows their hearts deeper than we ever will. And so if we're going to engage well with people and pursue their stories and be vulnerable with our stories, we just need to pray often and ask the Spirit for help. Okay, I'm going to be hanging out with these friends after work. I need help. You know, what should we talk about? What questions should I ask? How can we, um, how can I get deeper into their story? How can I love them? How can I love them in this way? And it really is a, it really is a love issue. When we think of pursuing people's stories, asking good questions, taking a genuine interest, listening well, being vulnerable, that all comes from a love, a love for people. So the more we love God, the more we will love people. The more we love people, the more we will live in this way. That again, it will become a natural rhythm. So that if we're going to go to a, um, I was going to say a Chargers game, but that isn't going to happen anymore. Um, <laughs> If we're going to go, if we're going to go to a Padres game with some neighbors, yes, we're going to go and enjoy the baseball, but we're going there and we, we're, we're going to be sitting there for two, two and a half hours at this game and baseball is not a real fast moving sport. So there's a lot of time to talk. There's a lot of breaks actually at a football game there is too. And so while we're doing that or watching Monday night football or out with some moms on a play date or at the coffee shop or at the pub, every relationship we're in, we have the opportunity to do this, right? There's nothing ever stopping us from pursuing people's stories in the way I'm describing even if you have a 10, 15-minute interaction with somebody at work, over lunch, um, during break time, before work, after work, um, those are all opportunities to love people in this way and to pursue their story. Because as we pursue people's stories, it's not just for the sake of, yeah, to get to know them, but it's, again, it's to go back to the goal that I described earlier, of being able to discern what they need, how we can serve them, even tangibly. So as we get deeper into people's stories, it's like, oh, I heard them say this and this. I bet we could bless them or serve them tangibly in this way. I bet that would be good news to them, which is the gospel, okay? So we can, we can proclaim the gospel verbally, but we can also demonstrate the gospel tangibly. But we're not going to do that well. We're not going to do that often if we don't know people's stories. 
better you know somebody's story, the better you know how to serve them. Oh, you found out this young couple had a baby six months ago. They haven't been on a date in six months. Um, they don't have money to go on a date because of the new baby. And you just heard that in that two, little two or three minute interaction with them. Well, guess what? You can respond to that <laughs> in a gospel way and say, I just heard from their story, that little interaction that they're tired, they don't have babysitting, and they can't afford it. So guess what we do as followers of Jesus? We step into those moments and say, you know what, we've got this community of people, kind of live life together. We'd love to bless you guys. Um, here's a little gift card, you know, whatever, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Go out to wherever the gift card is. And if you feel comfortable with it, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to babysit for you. You know, you guys have not been on a date in six months, nine months. Actually, some young couples one year, two years, um, have not been alone on a date together. Um, sounds crazy, but believe me, it's happening all over the place. But we're not going to know those things about people and their story unless um, how to serve them unless we go deep um, with them. And so again, it's, it's, it's asking those questions. It's being good listeners. It's asking the Holy Spirit, okay, what's going on with this person? And then again, towards this end, to call them back, to call their story back to God's story. What is broken? What are they not believing is true about God? What are they not believing what's true about Jesus? What are they not believing about this, this, this truth that we can help them with, that we can speak into, okay? They're clearly searching, and everybody around is searching. Again, they're looking for answers to the redemption piece. Everybody is, but in a different way. And so from our story, we speak Jesus into it because he is the redemption leading to the, re the restoration, the restored relationship with God, the restored dependence upon God, and the restored purpose with God. Only comes through Jesus. Jesus made it very clear. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets that. <laughs> no one comes there except through me. Okay? And so in our relationships, though, if we are not pursuing people's stories, we're not going to have those opportunities. Okay? Because until we really know a person's story, we don't know how to speak the good news into their story. Does that make sense? There isn't like a one-size-fits-all way to do this. Wish there was be nice and clean and oh, just say these four things and boom, it's magic. Well, it's not because everybody has a different story. Every single person on the planet has a different story, different brokenness, different questions, different fears, different personality, different parents, different, different, every person, okay? And so that means that the good news is going to be, needs to be nuanced to be different for every person. Does that make sense? It's still Jesus at the center. Be clear on that. Hopefully you're not hearing anything other than Jesus. It's Jesus at the center, but how we get to Jesus is going to happen 10,000 different ways depending on who the person is, what their story is, what has influenced them, where they're broken, what questions they have. Does that make sense? So, um, I want my... I, I'm going to have Hannah come up, and um, she's got a couple great examples. Um, I'm going to give a couple examples, because you may, at this point, be saying, okay, understand, understand what you're saying, 
still translated to today, <laughs> translated to a normal relationship, a normal person, and what this could look like. And so I asked her to share about two friends, um, two friends that we've had for years and what this looked like. Yeah, so um, the first friend I'll share about, um, her name is Siobhan, and we used to live in Tacoma, Washington, and um, we were at a block party one time with our kids, and I met this um, girl, well, mama, single mom of three kids, and we found out we lived a block away from each other, so we exchanged numbers, we should hang out, so we started to get to know each other, um, and Early on, I learned a few things about her story. And this is through lots of, you hang out, you ask questions. I feel like when I'm with somebody, my goal is, I just want to learn a few more things about this person's story while we're together. Yeah, we'll shoot the breeze, we'll do whatever, but I want to learn a few more things that's going to require some good question asking. So we're getting, I was getting to know her, learned a few things. One, she'd been hurt by believers when she was an um, unwed pregnant mama when she was 17. Um, she was very open spiritually, but a lot of new agey stuff. Um, and she also had been really used and hurt by men since she was a little girl and was still in relationship after relationship with men, um, almost like an addiction. And so anyway, one of the ways we got to know her so well was because <laughs> this one day we realized that she was driving an hour north to do laundry for hours at her grandma's house. And so I was doing laundry later that day, and I felt like spirit said, You've got a washer and dryer right here, a block away from Siobhan. Um, offer it up. So for the next year, <laughs> she did her laundry at her house. Or she'd drop off a big old bag and I would do it and she'd pick it up. But that gave us tons of opportunities to connect. Um, and often our conversation centered around men and the, the hurt she was experiencing, but then the desire she was experiencing at the same time. And um, so I thought about a lot about her story in the gospel. And this one day, I felt the like Spirit said, okay, talk with her about me in relation to her wounds and her hurt and her desire. And so I was kind of nervous. <laughs> I just said, hey, I just want to tell you something. I was like, you and I, we were made to want to be loved by, by a man unconditionally. Um, and this is a good desire. And I was like, I really, though, you're longing for Jesus. Jesus has proven his love for you. He died for you. He does not use you up and leave you. Um, he's all these men that are that that leave you brokenhearted. Like it's um, it's initially a good desire, but you're you're longing for Jesus, you know. And then you're getting hurt. And um, it was the first time that she, her her heart just like softened and broke, and it opened us to tons of gospel conversation. But remember the time thinking I would have never been able to. The Spirit wouldn't have led me to this, honestly, if I hadn't known this about her story. And it took tons of relationship and asking questions to get there. But it was crazy. In the next months, we had tons more conversation, and the Spirit just opened her heart up finally um, because really the gospel was applied to her wound and her desire, mm. um, which happens to us too as believers all the time, right? Um, so that's one story. That's a much longer, beautiful story, but that's a little snapshot. Um, another story is about our friend Katka. Katka is a Czech name for Kathy, essentially. And Todd and I lived in the Czech Republic for a long time. Um, and one of the things we did was English camps. And we would teach English, and then we would talk about Jesus and spiritual things in the Bible. Um, and this girl, Katka, she's probably 18 at the time. She's in my class. And she was just a staunch atheist. Oh, man. Uh, discussions were rough. 
Um, but she was, I loved her, loved her. And um, so I really felt like, yeah, Hannah, you're supposed to pursue this girl in friendship. So the next three years, we were close friends. And um, we wrote letters, like, every week or two. See, I'm pretty old, so, like, I used to write letters. <laughs> a lot of you it's a letter it's paper it's pen hi <laughs> um so anyway um and we wrote letters because she lived in a different city when we lived in Republic. i see her here and there but early on here's what she told me she was like hannah um your god is is jesus and you think he's the most important thing in the world my god is friendship that's what i think is the most important thing i'm gonna be a good friend i'm gonna make good friends I'm glad your God is Jesus, it's all good for you, but my God is friendship. And so in that moment, I remember thinking, okay, so I'm gonna be a really good friend. <laughs> and she's an experience, a piece of what the Father is like through friendship, through faithful, committed friendship, and just tons of prayer. And, um, and so she also had some wounds from friends who were not committed. So anyway, kind of wrapping it up, she, a few months before she came to faith in Jesus, I had written her this one letter and just said, hey, I want to, something's been in my heart to tell you, and that is that your, your desire for a true friend, it's already been met in Jesus. He proved his friendship, his desire to be friends with you through his death on the cross and resurrection. He wants to know you and be in a relationship with you, and he's a friend that will never disappoint. There were a few verses I had written down. I said, he, faith in him, friendship with him will never disappoint you. And you, you really want friendship. You really want Jesus. <laughs> and I was scared to send the letter, but I felt like Spirit was saying, you know her story, you know the gospel. And um, anyway, she ended up coming to faith in Jesus. It's really cool. And said that letter was like really key for her. So again, though, man, I'm glad I knew her story enough to ask the Spirit, what do I say next? You know, he knew her heart. She, he knew what she was longing for. So yeah, yeah. there's a couple. Yeah, super. So with these, other, with these other missional rhythms we've been talking about, the eating with people and the celebrating and the, the recreating, the working out, going for walks, going for runs, hanging out at the pub, going to a movie, going to a game, all of those are just contexts for this work. Does that make sense? We're in relationship with people all the time. Through those things, also through work, just through where we live, we're in relationship with people all the time. But the question becomes, are we going to be true to who we are as story form people? To be pursuers of other people's stories. So that again, we can discern where the need is, where the lack is, where the idolatry is, and speak Jesus as the redemption for everything into, into that. Okay, a couple other things to wrap up then. You may be, um, well, we've been talking about this in an individual sense, obviously, but this becomes even more powerful and more beautiful when we do this as a community, which we get to. <laughs> we get to help each other in these things. So like with Katka uh, or Siobhan or a lot of other um, people we could tell you about, um, it wasn't just Hannah or just me or just a few people that were pursuing their story like this. It was a whole community. And the beauty of that is some of you here are more introverted. And you will, in, you will influence people uniquely as introverts. Some of you are extroverted. You will, in, you will influence people uniquely as extroverts. We need each other <laughs> to do it together. So there's not only a personality reality, there's also a gifting reality. 
We all have different gifts and different ways we approach things and think about things. And so um, Hannah had a unique relationship with Katka through her personality and through her gifting. But I talked with Katka all the time too and influenced her in different ways through my gifting and through my personality. And there were other Christians around her that we introduced her to that influenced her. Does that make sense? And so whether you're introvert or extrovert or young or old or whatever your, uh, whatever your story is, um, part of the beauty of this, we get to do it together in community. Yeah. We get to love people well together in community. We get to pursue people in this way together. And again, we've got the Spirit helping us with all of this as individuals, as we go to work or live in our neighborhood, as communities, as we do these things, whatever, um, on the weekends with people. We've got each other to help. We've got the Spirit to help, to, again, to love people well, to pursue their story, to call them back to God's beautiful story for their life. Everybody's searching for it in one way or another. They're seeking redemption for parts of their story, for broken pieces of their story, and for their bigger story. Everybody's searching for it. Again, some through money, some through their job, some through relationships, some through sex, some through other religions or other spiritual things they're pursuing. But everybody is seeking redemption to their story because that's how, that's how God's wired them. Okay, homework or action steps for you to do. This week, I want you to try a couple things, okay? And pretty, pretty simple, but with a couple people that you're going to hang out with this week, just want you to be faithful to who you are as a story-formed person, okay? So whether you're going to eat a meal with somebody, go for coffee with somebody, a beer with somebody, a movie, a game, whatever it is, don't just go there just for the activity because that is possible. We could go to a game and sit there for two hours and leave and know nothing more about the person we went with. Go to the pub, hour and a half, talk about superficial things, have some fun, enjoy the food, go home. We knew nothing more about that person. Like Hannah said, we should never leave an interaction with a person, honestly, without knowing a little bit more about their story. At least a little bit. Sometimes more because of more time and more questions and more sharing, you know, of life. But um, so to make that a goal this week with a couple people and then even at work, at break time, at lunch, before work, after work, um, to maybe think a little differently about how you're going to engage with people during those times, okay? So at lunchtime, rather than sitting, you know, sitting off by yourself and, you know, listening to something or, you know, reading something online and eating your lunch, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to get lunch. I'm going to ask that person to eat lunch with me. It's just 30 minutes, but I'm going to ask them three, three questions. Three questions about where they grew up, how they grew up, what their parents were like, what their siblings were like, what they like to do, um, where, where they went to school, taking a genuine interest in their life. People, act, if you ask them those types of questions, they actually love talking about themselves. I have found very few people across the world who don't like telling their story. They just want to be asked. You just need to ask. <laughs> and as you ask, you'll find out, ooh, 
broken family, broken parents, broken siblings, broken childhood, bad experience here, bad experience there, bad experience there. You will hear those things just come up naturally and you'll say, okay, how do I love them in those things? How do I serve them in those things? How do I speak Jesus into those things? Okay. Let me... Um, Yeah, let me pray these things for us. Father, you are the creator of um, an amazing story that we are part of, we get to be part of. Thanks you that you have um, um, saved us through Jesus and that uh, that has made us um, restored in our relationship with you, um, restored in our purpose for life um, restored in our dependence, not on ourselves, but on you. So thank you for that work that you do, that you've done through Jesus. And I pray that we would leave here today with, um, with a greater understanding and a greater motivation to love each other well and love people around us well in the ways we've talked about today. Taking a genuine interest pursuing their stories, asking good questions about their lives and who they are, being good listeners, being able to pray specifically for them because of what we know about their story, being able to serve them better, more tangibly because of what we know about their story. So we pray that you would help us to, to, to grow in these things, to be come faithful in these things as we go to work and live in our neighborhoods, spend time with people through eating and recreating and celebrating. Um, um, so yeah, we thank, uh, we're thankful that we have an amazing story to tell. And we want those around us to be, to be part of that story that, that has Jesus at the center. So we love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Todd. Thanks for speaking to us today.